Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope that this sermon will guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org for more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. morning, church. I'm Adam Seed. I'm the lead pastor here at Orange, and I'm so thankful that you're spending this time in worship with us today. And I want to wish a happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. And as we celebrate and give thanks for the mothers that brought us into this world, those mothers and mother figures that came alongside us to help us become who we are today, I want to say thank you. And so today is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us pray. Father God Almighty, we give thanks for this day. We have this opportunity to set everything else aside. In this crazy, chaotic time, we still are able to press pause and to draw near to you. So Lord, as we draw near to you through these different kinds of ways, may you speak to us today. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth? And as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today. As individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. Each week, since I've been the pastor here at Orange, we have a staff meeting, and now our staff meeting has had to move online as we are meeting by Zoom. And each week, as we start our staff meeting, I like to ask an icebreaker-type question to try to get us started, and sometimes it's something super random. A couple of weeks in a row recently, I asked, how are you being blessed out of this time of quarantine? And the responses were so uplifting as we heard some people talk about having time with family at home, dogs being walked, and binge-watching series on Netflix. It was neat to hear some of those responses. But I'm reminded of several months ago. There was one particular question that I asked to get us started. It was a question that goes a little bit deeper. I asked the question, if you were writing a memoir of your life, what smells would you say that you remembered the most? At first, there was silence. We all pondered the heaviness of this question of what smells we have cherished and remembered the most. Slowly, one by one, we began to answer. It might have been a mother's perfume or a father's cologne. Maybe it was flowers from a grandparent's garden or even the smell of the ocean as family who has long since parted, gasped, they sailed out on the waters. My eyes may have watered just a little bit as we thought about some of those special smells. In fact, I think about the sweetest smell that I still cling to to this day is the smell of my mother baking sourdough bread. And I feel like if I breathe deep enough right now and inhale, it almost smells like I'm standing in her kitchen right now. Smells have a way of lingering within our memories in remarkable ways. And just this week, I have been able to travel back to several sweet memories as I encountered certain smells. On Monday afternoon, 
I was here at the office and as I left, I was driving my wife's car and suddenly I heard a horrible noise from underneath that I had no idea what was going on. And so I pulled over and I, I called my wife and I asked her, what did you do to your car? Which, of course, she had done nothing because she had not driven it for the past few weeks. And so we finally figured that I needed to call somebody to try to get some help. And so I called one of our own, Steve Kirkland. And Steve said, sure, bring it on over. And so I drove across Chapel Hill. If you heard that loud ruckus, that was me. And there was something underneath the car that was dragging along the road. It was interesting to watch all the people who were out walking. And they were talking. And then they stopped and they were mocking. They were listening to the noise. I pulled into the garage and I got out and I was greeted warmly by Steve. And he said, I could hear you about a half a mile away. But Steve did not know that as I stood there at the garage, the scent of the oil and the grease, it just took me back to the days that I was a child and in the summers when my sister and I would go and stay with my grandparents in Oxford, North Carolina for a week or so. And granddaddy was a service manager at a Ford dealership. And so I got to go to work with granddaddy there in the garage. And that smell of the garage on Monday afternoon took me back to my childhood when I was just a little boy standing there with granddaddy. And then Wednesday, I had the joy of coming home and finding out that Meredith Kiesler had porch dropped sourdough rolls at my home. And as soon as I got in there, I opened the bag. And before I even ate one or four, I sniffed, I inhaled, and I was transported back once again. Because it smelled just like the bread that my mother would make. And I give so much thanks to both Steve and Meredith for helping me transport back to those special memories. By those smells. Because smells have a way of just taking us back to special times. However, sometimes smells haunt us. Sometimes they don't bring back such pleasant and fond memories. Sometimes... A smell can take you back to a hard and painful time. Just a couple of months ago, before all this stuff started, I had a dear friend that was having surgery to remove a brain tumor at Duke University Hospital. And so as I made my way over to the hospital, I knew that I was probably going to be about in the same familiar area that I was about a year ago when my mother had suffered a massive stroke. And so as I walked into that hospital and I greeted her and her husband, the smell, the safe, sanitized smell took me back to that hard and painful day that we spent with her before she breathed her last. Those smells, it's amazing the way sometimes they can bring back such fond memories and sometimes such hard and difficult memories. And you know, you don't even have to be very close to the source of the smell for you to detect it. I mean, just driving down the interstate, you can tell when there's been a skunk nearby. You can tell that somebody is cooking something that is pleasant or unpleasant. You can tell if you're driving down the road that you are approaching a paper mill. You don't have to be very close to pick up on it. And as smells carry so much further distance than what we even think about, it is funny how each night when my wife Jennifer and I walk our golden retriever through our neighborhood, we can detect the scent of what everybody in the neighborhood is cooking and eating 
as we're walking him through. It's like, oh, that family must be having curry. Oh, that family's having Italian. That family's grilling. It's like we're walking through the food network as we go through the neighborhood, and it makes me so hungry if I have not yet eaten. I'll bet the homeowners have no idea that everyone passing by can smell exactly what they're cooking. Yes, fragrances and aromas can be powerful, and they can evoke significant memories. In the days following the death and resurrection of Jesus, Simon Peter and some of the others were in Galilee. And there they likely encountered a familiar, but possibly unwelcome, fragrance. And the way that the gospel writer Matthew tells about the resurrection, when the Marys encountered the resurrected Jesus at the tomb, he tells them to go back and to tell the others to go on to Galilee. And there they will see him. Now, the gospel writer John does not record that set of instructions. But sure enough, after Jesus has already appeared to the disciples, not once but twice with the second time, including his appearance to Thomas, the disciples have now followed the instructions from Matthew and they have made their way to Galilee, which is the area that Jesus spent so much of his time and so much of his ministry. And as Simon Peter had previously been a fisherman by trade, Old habits are hard to break. And one evening, as he's gathered together with the others, he says, I'm going fishing. Now, there's much written about why Simon Peter and the others decide to go fishing. But I think maybe in the complexity of the recent days that they had experienced, Simon Peter just wanted to go to what he felt he could control. Maybe he just wanted to go to a safe space. Maybe he wanted to reenact and remember that day that he first met Jesus. Maybe he longed to remember how Jesus stood right there in his boat as the crowds were pressing in on him to hear his teaching. And that day after Jesus had finished, he, he told Simon Peter to go out into the deep waters and to cast his nets for a catch. Simon Peter responded, that they had worked all night and came up empty. And yet, if you say so, I will let down my nets. He then was astonished by the catch. They caught so many fish that the nets were about to break. And Simon Peter falls at the feet of Jesus, proclaiming, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. So now, maybe after the death and resurrection of Jesus... Simon Peter just wants to remember how Jesus said to him, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. That day, he left his nets and his past behind. Maybe he wanted to remember. Or maybe he wanted to remember that night that Jesus had sent them all ahead on the waters while Jesus dismissed the crowds and then went for a time to pray. Out on the deep waters with the wind and waves buffeting the boat. Early in the morning, they saw a figure that they only assumed could be a ghost. Only instead, it was Jesus assuring them not to be afraid. Maybe, maybe Simon Peter wanted to remember how Jesus invited him out onto the waters. And in faith, he left the boat behind just like he had previously left his nets. And once again... He walked with Jesus. 
But alas, that memory might also invoke the memory of failure. His failure of taking his eyes off of Jesus and instead looking at his circumstances, the wind and the waves, and sinking into the waters, he has to cry out, Lord, save me. Now, of course, Jesus saved him. But I'm sure that the words that Jesus spoke, once they got back onto the boat, were still marked upon his heart. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? The fishing that Peter and the others are doing is not the relaxing, casting a rod and reel that you may participate in. No, this was very labor-intensive, involving the casting of nets and drawing them back in once they're heavy and wet. But you know, sometimes labor-intensive work can be very therapeutic. I love the feeling after a good day of hard labor. I feel like I'm able to work through so many issues. When I work out in the yard and mow the yard or or cleaning the house and vacuuming, I love that feeling and don't even get me started about washing and waxing the cars. I mean, at the end of the day, after such labor-intensive work, your body just feels good having gone through all that. So maybe, maybe that's what Simon Peter and the others wanted. Maybe they wanted that night of hard labor and it was the only sure thing that they knew that they could do. Because for Simon Peter and the others, the preceding days had been filled with a range of emotions that was likely too much for any of them to handle. Fear, anger, guilt, doubt, and despair, deep grief, confusion, uncertainty. But also in those days, they had experienced remarkable joy, sheer exhilaration, and hope. Maybe they just needed to cast a net and catch some fish because it was the only sure thing that they could control, and it was the only sure thing that they could do. However, you know how this story goes, and you know that even though they fished all night, they kept coming up empty. So early in the morning, just after daybreak, before they even saw Jesus standing on that beach or this figure that they did not yet recognize, before they even saw it, I imagine that they smelled the smoke of the fire. There on the shore, Jesus had a charcoal fire going. He was cooking some fish and some bread. Yes, before they saw it was Jesus, maybe smelling the fish, was a fragrance of failure, recognizing their failure of an unsuccessful night of fishing. I wonder if Simon Peter was even able to smell the fish at all, because the smell of the charcoal fire had to have been overwhelming for him, or it must have been the fragrance of his own personal failure. Standing by a charcoal fire, as recorded in John chapter 18, Simon Peter had done what he previously thought he would never do, and he denied Christ those three times. And I imagine, since that fateful night, every time that Simon Peter smelled a charcoal fire, he winced and probably thought back again to the pain of his denial. Yes, the others on the boat may have smelled a fragrance of failure for coming up empty while this stranger is on the beach cooking fish. But I have to think that the fragrance of failure that Peter smelled was his own failure. 
Perhaps Jesus was standing on the other side of the charcoal fire. And perhaps the light had not yet quite arisen over the mountains on the eastern side of the lake. But they could not see that it was Jesus. They could not see that it was him who called out to them from beyond the fragrance. Children, have you no fish? You have no fish, have you? Now, I'm going to tell you something. If I was on that boat, if I had been fishing all night and had not caught a single thing, and some stranger on the shore calls me a child, my response would not have been quite as simple as theirs. But they simply replied, no. But the voice behind the flames then calls out to them words that might have reminded them of that other unsuccessful night of fishing from three years earlier. Cast the net to the right side of the boat. You'll find some. Just like they did in Luke chapter 5. They cast the nets once again. And once again the nets were full of fish. John is the first one to put it all together. And he proclaims it is the Lord. Now the next few verses are simply spectacular to me. Simon Peter responds to John's declaration that it is Jesus. By putting on his clothes. Because John is careful to note for us that Simon was naked. Thanks for that mental picture. And then he jumps into the waters and rushes to the shore. Now the other disciples dragged the heavy net behind the boat as they brought the boat near the shore. And as others joined Jesus and Simon Peter at the fire, they had finally arrived at the source of the fragrance that had possibly reminded them of their failures. But they now find it is a fragrance of forgiveness. Jesus requests that they bring some of the fish that they have caught, even though he's already cooking fish and bread over the charcoal fire. And before the other six, who brought the boat and heavy nets close to, as close to shore as they could, before they can even respond, Simon Peter himself goes and does what, uh, alone what they could not do together. Like Superman, he drags this net full of large fish ashore. Now, the scripture is oddly very specific here when it says that the nets were full of 153 fish that had been caught. But in reality, it quite possibly was something like 12. You know how fish stories go. The more you tell it, the bigger the fish gets. But it does record 153. And then Jesus invites them to break fast with him, taking the bread and giving it to them and doing the same with the fish that he has cooked. Any questions, guilt, or fears that they had of Jesus was removed there on that shore. There on that shore, the fragrance of failure was transformed into the fragrance of forgiveness. They were reconciled to their Christ. There at that place, they were reconciled and relationships were restored. For our God is a God of restoration and reconciliation. Our God is a God of hope and hallelujah. Our God offers a fragrance of forgiveness and not a fragrance of failure. There on the beach, we witness forgiveness being offered before it is even asked for. That is who my God is. That is what my God does. Without it being asked for. He is there on the shore preparing a meal of restoration. Now, Jennifer and I had an opportunity a few years ago to visit that shore on the Sea of Galilee. 
And we went to the very place where it is believed that this encounter took place. I want to show you that picture real quick. This is the beach and looking out onto the Sea of Galilee. And it, this was the perspective quite possibly that Jesus himself might have had looking out onto the waters. And as we were looking at that spot, I noticed something on the side of the beach. There was a fence. And by that fence, there was a sign that I found completely ironic. Right there on the beach is a sign that I could not help but find hilarious that says, No swimming and no grilling. <laughs> Maybe that sign is a reminder for us of how our failures can be transformed into forgiveness. We never know the sweet smell of reconciliation without knowing the pungent aroma of betrayal. There on that beach, Jesus offered relationship once again to those who had denied him. Jesus offered forgiveness before it was even asked for. May we do the transformational work of transforming the fragrance of failure into a fragrance of forgiveness and grace. Let us pray. God of grace. God of mercy. God of reconciliation and restoration. God of hope and hallelujah. Today we give thanks for the ways that you transform our failures. You transform our brokenness. And you make us whole once again. Thank you for the ways that you have restored us in relationship with you. For paying a price that we were incapable of paying on our own through the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask for forgiveness for all the ways that we have failed you. But we do not stay in a place of failure, just like Jesus did not stay in a place of death. But you call us forth into a place of reconciliation and restoration. You call us forth with a fragrance of forgiveness. And so, Lord, may we be a people that breathe in that deep smell. And we remember how we have been forgiven. But may we also be a people who live lives that help transform our community and the world beyond. Help us to continue to live lives so that others may smell this free, sweet fragrance of forgiveness. And they may be restored back unto you. Lord, we pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. And please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.